feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, I am more and more furious as I hear more details about the Nashville shooter and the fact that this transgender individual, Audrey Hale, 28 years old, was able to buy seven guns legally at five different stores in that area. Seven guns. Seven guns. And she used three of them to commit the crime and kill all those people at the Nashville school. Of course, three nine-year-olds and three adults. And when you hear the background of this individual, who would ever sell her a gun? And why was there nothing flagged in her case? That really is the big issue. Because people who are selling guns can only go by the information that they're given And apparently there was nothing in the record about her having mental issues, which she clearly did. She was seeing a doctor. We are also getting details that the mother was extremely concerned and the father extremely concerned. And they also knew that she had a gun. And this is where I throw the book at the parents tonight. To me, the parents of this person, I think, needs to be held responsible. We need to start waking up and saying, if you know that your child or your family member or friend or somebody has serious mental issues, so much so that they're seeing a doctor and that they had not institutionalized the person yet, but clearly thought there were some serious mental issues. And then you know that your child is buying at least one gun Apparently there were seven, but they thought that maybe they had, she had purchased one gun. And then they said, well, we thought she sold the gun. You know what? Maybe you need to do a better check because she's living in your house. I mean, this is insane. You hear the writing is on the wall in this case, and we're hearing it time and time again, where individuals need to say, I need to do the right thing, not just for this person, for my loved one or my family member and friend, but maybe I need to do the right thing for society. And I think there actually needs to be some legal obligation to family members who allow a family member who is clearly loony and has issues and is talking about death and destruction, not only to themselves, but to others that first you got to get them institutionalized. You got to make sure that they get the help. And you also got to make sure, guess what? That the rest of society is not in danger as a result of your not thorough check. I mean, it should have been a big warning sign that this person clearly had problems, was clearly talking about suicide, was clearly deeply despondent, was going through a lot of personal issues. And so much so that they brought in a doctor and they were treating Audrey Hale for mental illness. Now, because she wasn't institutionalized, 
And because law enforcement had not been called in, apparently there were no flags on law enforcement. And there were no flags, by the way, on the gun sellers. So that's why you can't sit there and say, well, the gun sellers, on one hand, maybe they should have some sort of system to say, well, this is a little interesting. Someone's buying seven guns at the age of 28 um, and buying them from five different stores. I think there maybe should have been some flags going up just about that alone. But. Separate than that, because there was nothing in the system to show that this person had a criminal history or a mental history, that you can understand how the people sold the guns. But again, I think there should have been some alarm bells going off that, wow, this person's buying a whole bunch of guns uh, all at once and in different stores. That's kind of suspicious activity. That looks to me like they're trying to cover up for something. That's one. And the worst of it is, I think, the fact that the family knew this person had trouble, knew this person was talking about suicidal and deadly and danger thoughts. Apparently, based on what we're learning of the shooting now, uh, the shooter stood back and didn't stand near the glass. Because when they were opening fire, by the way, on police cars, well, they knew enough to stand back and apparently were pretty good shots. So because I say that, there probably was training They probably were going out to the gun range and doing training and exercises and all these things. And again, when a family member sees that a troubled person is buying a gun, I think that that's an enormous issue. And to just say, well, could you sell the gun? Turns out Audrey Hale, according to the parents, apparently she was hiding the guns and the parents weren't aware that she kept that one, didn't sell it. And also was hiding a whole bunch of other ones in the house that they were living in. So why are you not monitoring your kid better? You can hide a few things. That's true. But guess what? This person seems like it was a big old red neon sign and the parents missed the mark. Or maybe they wanted to turn the blind eye or they didn't really realize. So much so that the mother saw her walking out on the morning and she was despondent. She was apparently walking out. And the mother said, what are you doing in that, carrying that big red bag? Turned out what was in the big red bag, authorities believe, were three weapons that Audrey Hale purchased legally during that batch of seven and then used those three to open fire on the Covenant School in Nashville. And the mother said, what's going on in the bag? And Audrey kind of blew her off, apparently, and then just kept walking on. Needless to say, the mother maybe didn't know, of course, what was going on. We haven't heard any indications that they did. But it goes back to if you got a troubled soul in your family and they're buying weapons and they're also getting diagnosed for mental illness, you know what? You have a responsibility to do something to make sure that guns weren't sold, maybe have a check, go into law enforcement and say, you know, I'm a little concerned about my child. Maybe I should find out if there's other guns that maybe had been purchased. Maybe they would have realized that seven had been bought at five different stores and it could have triggered the police to come in and do a search of the home. But these family members seem to live in denial And they are putting people at risk. So I want to hear your thoughts tonight. You can tell I am fired up because I looked at the face of that nine-year-old little girl. They put out the picture today of one of the girls. The other one, of course, was the pastor's daughter. So they put out the picture of the second one today. And you see this beautiful nine-year-old child. And you say to yourself, no parent should have to have a fear of sending their child to school, wondering if they're going to be killed by some mad person 
who the family just didn't do enough to take care of and get that person locked up like they should have for themselves and certainly for society. Families need to do more. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Nashville Chief John Drake First off, talking about what they discovered when they went to Audrey Hale's home, the home that Audrey shares with her parents, where she was hiding all this slew, this arsenal of guns. And basically, here is what he described that they found in her writings. This was carefully planned and plotted. Right now, we don't believe another school was being targeted. Uh, We do know we have writings uh, that had the school, it had a a diagram of of how she would enter the school, the uh, direction that she would go, and uh, saw she had uh, a drawing of what she would wear. Uh, She had exactly on what she had drew uh, in the uh, drawings, uh, including the weapons. Uh, We believe she just went in and randomly targeted uh, these individuals that wasn't, wasn't anyone in particular uh, that she was trying to target, just random. Just randomly goes to the school, which indeed apparently she went to years ago. And we are also learning, and this is just, you know, disheartening. She sends a chilling message to one of her pals. She was apparently in uh, a former middle school basketball teammate sends a message on Instagram at 9.57 a.m. on Monday. Now, remember, she got to the school a little bit after 10 a.m., so she must have posted this message either on the way or posted it right before she left her home, basically saying uh, that she was suicidal and also said uh, that you will probably hear about me in the news after I die. This is my last goodbye to you. I love you. See you again in another life and signed it, Audrey. So the friend writes back, which was a smart message, saying, Audrey, you have so much more life to live. I pray God keeps and covers you, which was a very like positive, nice message. And then the friend uh, decides to call authorities. Thank goodness she should have called 911 at that point, but at least she did call authorities. Apparently, she called authorities around 10.14 a.m. Now, they had already gotten a 911 call at 10.13 saying there's somebody opening fire on the school. Uh, but the person obviously wasn't aware of that at the time. So at 10.14, she calls. She's put on hold for seven minutes before speaking with someone. And they said, well, we're going to probably send somebody to your home. An officer then shows up at 3.30 p.m. Uh, and, of course, we know that the shooter was taken out at 10.27 but think about this. Had maybe she called 911. Now, Audrey didn't say, I'm going to go shoot up a school. Audrey didn't say where she was going. So, But it maybe would have tipped off to look for the vehicle or do something else. Uh, but I'm glad at least she did call authorities. At least she was smart enough to say, this is concerning. I'm going to call authorities. Uh, you would wonder what other warning signs were there before that. You know, what other, imagine if the parents had maybe called 911 when they found their emotionally disturbed person with seven guns. Maybe that's the time to call police and say, hey, there might be a problem here. And again, it goes back to the Newtown shooting. I get so angry because I was there. I went there and covered that case. And the mother was trying to help the child, trying to get the child medicine, institutionalized. There were some problems getting the person institutionalized. We do need to find more locations to put people like that 
in need that definitely need help to harm to themselves or others. So there's an issue of that. But then the mother who was killed ultimately by Adam Lanza, the mother takes the son to bond with him and she goes with him to the firing range. You have a totally mentally disturbed person. And Adam Lanza was an incredibly troubled soul. There is no question about his mental history for years upon years. They had counselors come in. They had all the stuff. And the mother said, God, I thought it'd be nice to bond with my son and go to the gun range. He seemed calmed down when he went to the gun range or when he was watching these sick, crazy movies about people killing each other. Guess what? If you have a mentally disturbed person, you don't show them movies of people killing each other. You don't take them to the gun range to bond with your child. She obviously did not deserve to die, and that was horrible. He killed her, and then he went over to the Sandy Hook School and opened fire. So we know the history. It was a horrible case. But you don't have troubled people. You don't have your troubled child hanging around with guns. And and this is the same case. Seven guns. She bought seven guns. My jaw dropped today when I heard this news. And here he is. Here is Chief John Drake of Nashville talking about the purchases Audrey made recently. Take a listen. We were able to talk to the parents of uh, Audrey Hale, and we found that she had purchased uh, seven firearms from uh, five local gun stores here in the uh, Middle Tennessee area. They were all legally purchased. Uh, Three of those guns were actually used in uh, yesterday's murders of the six uh, victims. It blows my mind when I heard that. It was like, wait a minute, did the parents know? Did you notice the way he said it? Nobody followed up and said, did the parents know that she bought? He later said, well, they thought she only had one left, and then she sold it, and she hid the other ones, but she's living at the home. Don't you check your mentally disturbed child, every aspect of their room, every place? I'm sorry, if you have a mentally disturbed individual in your home, you scour it like there's tooth and nail. And guess what? These were big guns. So, I mean, there clearly were warning signs. And I say throw the book at the parents. There needs to be something in a sense of accountability, not just for these parents, but a message for the future. And here again, here is the reason why law enforcement and, again, why the gun stores didn't have big red flags. In fact, they said today, the chief said she wasn't on the radar. They had nothing. They had no knowledge of her in terms of no issues with her in the past because the parents didn't call 911. They wanted to deal with it internally. Well, here he is describing her mental issues. Take a listen. Audrey uh, was receiving help for an emotional disorder, uh, but she had not been committed uh, to an institution. Because she had not been committed, then authorities were not triggered and then gun stores were not triggered. When we come back, I want to hear who you think is to blame and what should happen to parents who turn a blind eye. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. are talking about the Nashville school shooting and the fact that now we are learning this mentally disturbed individual who was under doctor's care but not institutionalized bought seven guns legally and the parents thought she got rid of them but instead she hid them 
and used three of them to open fire and kill three nine-year-olds and three adults. Do you think the parents bear some responsibility? And our parents and just people who live with mentally disturbed individuals not doing enough to make sure that society is protected, not just the person, but society is protected. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm. Line one. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, Rita, um, I'm thinking of real-world solutions here. Yeah, of course we can. uh, I mean, yeah, I believe the parents are culpable for what happened. But um, I'm just going to give you an example. Airplane hijacking and plane violence used to be a routine phenomenon, culminating in 9-11 when we instituted a national air marshal policy, which stepped up security at airports and put plainclothes armed marshals in every passenger plane. And the violence ended. Similarly, we need to institute a national marshal policy for every school in America that is not guarded by police, like in New York City. That's my solution to this thing. You know, uh, it's actually just... a smart. Let me ask you, would you want to have the person plain closed or like an air marshal who you don't technically know who the air marshal is? Mm, or would you want it to I, be visible? I think that needs to be that needs to be discussed. OK, that's not for me to decide. I mean, it's apparently the air marshal thing in the airplane seems to be working for planes. And all I can think of is now concerning the personal aspect of this particular individual, I was comparing it to, say, Hunter Biden. (laughs) Okay, Hunter Biden's crack usage was a disqualification for purchasing purchasing a firearm. That's that's why he got into this whole trouble with this pistol because he lied that he was a drug addict. And Okay. Similarly, exogenous testosterone usage, which is what a transgen female to male would have used, and I suspect this person used, should be a disqualification for purchasing a firearm. No, I mean, these, no, are, these are powerful drugs. That's why I was going to ask you, because a lot of people are going to take issue with that, Norm. But do you right. believe what, because what this medication that somebody mm-hmm. maybe uses that changes the hormones okay. or does some other things? Okay. Uh, you know me as a nice person who doesn't fight and doesn't yell and doesn't scream. When I was in the 1980s, I competed in powerlifting and I took boatloads of injectable testosterone. We just did that. That was standard what we did. I was a maniac. Okay. I, I'm just going to tell you, I mean, I was fighting everybody. I was nasty. I didn't shoot up anybody, but um, I came pretty close to like killing people. I mean, I, I you know my training partners and stuff like I threw belts at them. I acted absolutely insane. By the way, and that sounds so, like my day at WABC, but go ahead. All right. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and that was a male, a biological male using 100 milligrams, no, 200 milligrams of testosterone a week. And then close to a contest, like that's one CC, that's one shot. Okay. And then like close to contests, I would use up to like eight or 10. Now, if somebody, a woman who wants to become a man would probably use 10 CCs of testosterone a week. Now that would produce, you know, all these male effects. It would give them hair on the chest. It'd deepen the voice. 
and, you know, jack him up muscle-wise, but it'll make him a maniac. I mean, the, the, I'm just saying, uh, the, and, and then uh, the reverse of that, these biological males that become females from using, from using estrogen, That'll make you crazy also. No, and, so and by I, the way, there, just, there, may be, saying, there may I, be something I, to it. Yeah, I don't think people people who are transgen, I believe it's a pathology. I well, and, and I listen, think and, it's... And I'm not, you know, by the way, I, like to me, obviously, I love everybody, but there may be something to the medication, the way it reacts with somebody. Who knows? Uh, We do know this person was seeing a doctor for suicide and very troubled, too. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, I want to give a huge shout out to the Nashville Police Department. Uh, because the officers that arrived there on the scene of the Covenant School shooting ran towards a hail of bullets to take out the gunman. And now we're getting some more information about just their incredible courage and their incredible heroism. And to me, we are so lucky to have law enforcement among us. And I felt remiss not to spotlight them tonight in Back the Blue because they have now been identified. First, here's a little bit from the chief of police there in Nashville, John Drake, talking about the testament of these officers and their background. Just a testament of the way officers train and what we value our community. And then we'll put our own lives at risk to save others. Uh, those officers were taking uh, rounds on, cars were being fired upon. Uh, they were uh, in those vehicles. Uh, they got out immediately, got their weapons, went inside, went room to room, and then heard gunfire. Uh, as they heard the gunfire, they immediately ran down the hall and approached this individual and, uh, and mitigated the, the threat. And unfortunately, uh, six people uh, were killed before they could, could stop it. And yet they responded so quickly. We know that it was within 14 minutes uh, that they actually responded. And that is from being off campus. They were not there on campus. Remember, there were no armed guards on campus. So that is a really quick response team. And thank goodness that they did uh, react quickly. The body cam footage came out today. It is stunning. I was watching it over and over again. It is so gripping to see these officers. And they just reacted quickly and ran towards assault rifle bullets flying all over the place and did not hesitate and truly are heroes. And I think the model for police departments everywhere. You think about Uvalde and what a mess that was. And thank goodness these guys ran towards the danger. And by the way, the two officers who fatally shot uh, the suspect of the Covenant School shooting in Nashville have now been identified. They were fairly young officers. Uh, Metropolitan National Police Chief John Drake said Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Colazzo fired at 28-year-old Audrey Hale and fatally wounded her, bringing to an end uh, the shooting that left six people, including three children, dead. Officer Engelbert is just a four-year veteran, a fairly new cop, and also Officer Colazzo is only a nine-year veteran. 
Now, according to the police chief, Hale fired at the officers who were arriving at the scene from windows on the second floor before they swept the building and found her in a common room there on that second floor. The first call came to 911 after shots were being fired in the building. That came in around 1013. Officers rushed to the campus, made entry, and began clearing the building. And when shots were heard coming from the second level, it was on the second floor in a common area that a team of officers encountered Hale shooting. Now, she had been firing through a window at arriving police cars. So she was actually taking shots at officers as they were pulling in in the cars. But two members of this team, the two that I just mentioned, fired on Hale and fatally wounded her. And you can see in that body cam footage, they did not hesitate. And they, thank goodness, are being hailed heroes and an inspiration to so many people across the country. And a great reminder of how important it is every single day to back our men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about, of course, uh, the details now, these horrible details that Audrey Hill was able to buy seven guns and bought them from five different stores, was able to do it legally, and was clearly having mental issues. Her parents said there was a doctor who was seeing her for mental disorders. They did not get her institutionalized. She was not committed, uh, so it didn't go on an official record. But they did know that she had bought some guns. Take a listen. This is what the chief said just a few hours ago. Take a listen. Her parents believed that she had only one weapon, uh, but they knew she couldn't own one. Uh, she sold it. They were under the um, thoughts that uh, she had gotten rid of every weapon that she owned, but she had hid different weapons inside the home. Uh, and so that is still ongoing. And guess what? She didn't do a very good job of hiding it because when law enforcement got there, apparently fairly quickly after they arrived at Hale's home, this is the home she shared with her parents, they found a sawed-off shotgun and found a second shotgun, which was seized when they did a search warrant right after the shooting. So she wasn't hiding it very well that they were able to find at least these two, and maybe there are more when they do a more extensive search of the home. But pretty quickly... They found at least two other weapons. And this is why I say the parents clearly were not aware of what was going on to the degree that they were closing their eyes, I say. The writing was on the wall. You see, this kid had a manifesto, was writing all this stuff. Apparently, in the manifesto, was mapping out the locations that she wanted to shoot up. She wrote the entryways. She wrote what she wanted to do. She wrote what she was going to wear when she did the shooting. That's how nuts she was, and that's how specific she was. So you think about, maybe you should look, if you got a troubled person and they're hiding a little diary, maybe, guess what, you got to violate that uh, little oath of uh, friendship or cross the line with your child and sneak in one night and read that diary, especially if they're a troubled soul. And you better check for guns because police found them right away. So I say the parents need to be looked into. And I think parents everywhere and others need to be put on notice. Take a listen. This is Trey Gowdy, of course, former prosecutor, and he says also the same thing, throw the book at people who do not do enough to get people either institutionalized or arrested. The overwhelming majority of mass shooters signal to someone what they're about to do. So I'm not talking about a moral obligation to let folks know. I mean, they can sort that out for themselves. How about a legal obligation? If you know someone in your household is talking about shooting up a school, 
I, I don't care about your moral obligation. I want you to have a legal responsibility to go tell someone. Absolutely. And here's a little bit more of Trey Gowdy, uh, who was definitely fired up today about this. And I'm interested in this country reckon, having a reckoning with the fact that we talk about every right, all the rights we have, except the right for a seven-year-old to learn to read and write without getting murdered. How about that right? How about the right to go to elementary school without being murdered? Where does that fall in our hierarchy of rights in this country? One thousand thousand percent. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Tom on line seven. Tom, your thoughts about this? Rita, thank you for taking my call. I, this whole thing is a mess. Wait, hey, Tom, come a little closer. You sound like you're, like, in a bathtub. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. I I said this whole thing is a mess. Uh, And and I would like to reiterate what Trey Gowdy just said. Much better, much better. I completely agree there should be some culpability, but you can't force legal culpability on someone unless they know. They didn't know, and you know how parents are. They always want to think the best. I, I agree they had some moral obligation in this case, but unless you can prove that they knew that there was an issue and if they thought that gun was gone, I think this points out the fact that our systems are completely broken. We ha- The background checks don't work. Gun-free zones clearly don't work. These people are still going to have problems. We're creating our own societal issues, and you, you, you want to blame the gun. Everybody wants to blame the gun. They want to say mental health. Yes, those are aspects, but mental health is downstream of society. Our society is broken. This is why we can't have conversations without yelling at people. You, you can't politely disagree. You yeah. Can't no, by the way, you, you, Tom, you were hitting some great points that you're right. There is such a breakdown. Um, and, and I understand your first off, your, your first comment there, Tom, about the distinction between morally and legally. Um, you're right. We, they would have to be proven that she was aware, the mother or the father, I should say, one of the two or both, that they were aware that she had the gun, uh, didn't report it, didn't do X. Still, by the way, even if they were aware, because technically she was still not institutionalized, um, but it would be interesting to see if they were aware of more details than we know. And it's a little different. There was a case in Michigan um, which we talked about, Tom, where there was evidence, apparently, I think it was text messages, I'm trying to remember, where I think it was the mother was aware that the son was really troubled and still had a gun and basically said, oh, it's okay, son, you can still have that gun. And the gun, he had it actually like when he showed up at the school, she knew she thought it was supposed to be taken away. He wasn't allowed to have a gun. It was obviously underage. So there were a whole bunch of issues. It was their gun. I think they bought it for him. I mean, there were, that was a lot different than here is a 28-year-old, obviously a disturbed individual. But I think we need to start having some sense of morality and, and guidelines, Tom. I mean, and guidelines. I mean, teaching young people, hey, guess what? You know what? You have some issues. Let's get you help. And let's really throw the book at you. And you're right. I think a lot of parents turn a blind eye. Um, and, and that is not necessarily legally culpable, but they have a responsibility if somebody is getting to the point, I bet you we're going to find out if this person wrote an Instagram note to somebody saying, I'm going to, you know, die today and you're going to read about it in the paper, you know, you're going to hear about it in the media. I don't think it was probably the first time that this person made such claims. 
No, and, and if you look at like so you look at Parkland and you look at Sandy Hook, those parents were or or the the guardians were well aware of what was going on. They sought out help in certain places, but we have a, a, a much bigger problem on our hands, and it's not just guns. That's a very simple snap decision everybody jumps to. It's societal. We need parents to be engaged. We need children to get off their devices. We need them to play and have healthy, normal activities per per household percentage. In the 50s and 60s, it was higher gun ownership than it is today. And you look at why did we have such a lack of these issues then? It's because society was completely different. There was religion. There were friends. There was family support and structure. One thousand percent. You hit on some great points. Um, and you're right. We need to go back to some of the basics <laughs> that are clearly missing here. Tom, superb points. Loved your call. Thank you very much. Let's go to Christopher, line six in Vermont. Uh, where is this headed, Christopher? Uh, delight, delighted to speak with you on, under uh, on such unpleasant circumstances. I, I don't know. It's such a fine line. Uh, but parents have got to be uh, children who are living at home at age 28 and what have you, and are, are obviously mentally uh, disturbed and what have you, uh, there has to be some accountability somewhere. And I, I don't know exactly how you're going to institute it, but there there has to be an example made, I suppose, so that people will pay attention. I agree. Christopher, 1,000%. Thank you for the call. Well said. Let's go to Anastasia, line two. Anastasia, what do you think? Evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. I have a, a suggestion. When we go to the pharmacy to buy a medication, uh, the pharmacists know if you are abusing this medication because they have some kind of a little flags where right away this is not uh, permissible. I think they should do the same thing when you buy a gun. It should be registered, and there should be on the computers of every store that sells guns, so they will be able to see if this is a repeat. Like if, if the person owes more than one gun, and especially a woman, that sounds kind of suspicious. Yeah. Uh, so and by the way, seven and seven, Anastasia, and 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 I'd be curious. We haven't seen how big of a period it was that they bought. But the fact that it was at five different stores, I mean, that clearly shows suspicion. You know, it's like uh, it's like if you want to buy something, but you don't want to tell the other store you bought it. You know, it's like if you're drug shopping, you go buy like one at one store, one at another store. And that's what it looks like. They were gun shopping like that should have been a big red flag. I'd be curious again, how big of a time. And I'm I'm one of those people that. I don't necessarily blame the gun stores because technically that is legal. There was nothing to say that this person's disturbed. They could have been a gun enthusiast. But it should have been like, wait a minute, if it was in a very narrow period, it would be interesting to know. Was it within a few days? Was it in a few months? There should have been some alarm bells, just like you said, like, this is interesting. Look at this pattern. And then maybe there's a little bit of a visit or a call. And again, if the parents had just said, you know what, police... Maybe you should take a look. My daughter bought a gun, and even if you believe what they said, that there was one gun that they thought the daughter bought, and that's it, 
you know, uh, obviously they didn't check very well because the police found right away within minutes, basically, of going to the house, two other ones. So they, you know, I mean, at some point you got to say, wait a minute, we have a clearly mentally disturbed, suicidal maniac living at home and they're buying guns. I mean, you know, either you're stupid or you're reckless. One of the two. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to continue more after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are, of course, talking about the Nashville shooting. By the way, a radical trans group is out there saying that they basically see two sort of victims here. The one, of course, are the people that were killed in the Covenant School. And then they're also coming out basically in defense of the shooter. I mean, what are you kidding me? They're coming out and saying... That the second and more complex tragedy, this is from a group called Trans Resistance Network, um, is that Aiden or Audrey Hale felt she had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the lives of others and by consequence herself. In other words, like kind of trying to justify and listen, I'm sure that people who go through some of these transgender transformations um we talked about some of the medicine that norm was talking about that some of these people take the steroids and other things that they deal with a high rate of suicide depression anxiety a lot of these things but this group seems to say quote hate has consequences um and again says there were basically two groups of victims here those who died in the school and also audrey hale because she had no other effective way to be seen than to do what she did and lash out and take the lives of others. That is bizarre. There should be no excuses for someone's behavior, no matter what their sexuality, race, color, or creed. Uh, Shame on this group for making these kind of comments and trying to somehow justify and basically say that some of the recent legislation has been restrictive on transgenders and basically using this as an opportunity uh, to try to justify the act of a mad person. 1-800-848-9222. Um, I want to go to Keith. Let's go to Keith in Cincinnati, line three. Keith, your thoughts on um, what you think about uh, the shooting and the lessons learned. I'm so mad at this situation, Reed. I think tomorrow when my housekeeper comes to my house, she's going to have to wrap black electrical tape from around my house from keeping my head from keeping me from exploding. Uh, yeah, it is. It is so it is so frustrating, Keith. I understand, too, by the way, you wanted to bring up um, on a positive note, um, this incredible little girl who pulled the fire alarm. Talk about why that stands out to you. It's an amazing story. There's a lot of reasons why. And nobody's talking about it. a lot of people are trying to hide and cover up the situation. This sweet little girl, Evelyn was her name. Yep. This is a person that ran to the fire alarm and pulled the fire alarm to warn people to get the H-E double hockey sticks out of the building because uh, there was this goofball in the school running around with guns wanting to shoot people. So then what happens? This goofball 
she intentionally targets and shoots this little girl and kills her because she pulled the fire alarm to warn people to get out of the building. You and know, I'm mad about this for a lot uh, of reasons. Because a lot of people in your news media is doing everything they can to try to hide and cover up this about this little girl pulling this fire alarm. And the fact she was intentionally shot and targeted by this crazy individual. You know, Keith, I am so glad that you're talking about this tonight because, to me, she is a real hero. Um, and she it's is. And it's Evelyn Dykos, uh, yeah. and they put out her picture today. Oh, I'm looking at her beautiful little face here with her sweet smile. And you're right, what a heroic, courageous little girl because she wanted to protect her friends. So she ran to the fire alarm, and as she was trying to pull it down, apparently this madman mad person, uh, open fire uh, on her. And I, I am so glad that you brought that up, Keith. Thank you very, very much, because it just shows the incredible courage of this little girl, and we need to spotlight her and spotlight law enforcement and so many of these amazing acts of heroism. And for that little girl, nine years old, to do that, to try to save the lives of her, you know, of her precious friends there, and then her life was taken um, is just so heartbreaking. I'm so glad that that you're bringing up that story because I was so moved when I heard that too. Thank you, Keith, very, very much. Um, let's go to Stan on line two. Stan, your thoughts. I, I want to ask this question because I don't know. I, again, the story is still developing. Did this woman, man, go to this religious Christian school as a student for a period of time? Or yes. she just went? She yes, did. years okay. ago. All right, now. How many, uh, just one year, I mean, was she, she graduated from there? That's part of it, I want to know. We don't know. We know that they just said at one point she went there. The school's a pre-K to sixth grade. She's, in, she's 28, okay, so, she so it was there. years ago, okay. yes. All right, so the, the next question I ask is, and of course the tragedy is, is terrible in this, is it possible that the Christian school might have said something to her to and that she kept it in her mind for all these years. Or Christianity teaches a very strict. I'm, I'm not defending what she did. She, she got exactly. She was a nut. She went crazy. She got what she got. But is it possible under the Christian teachings that they said something, or she knew what she was? That they said something to her, or they knew what she was possibly that she was a trans. Or, I'm, I well, don't know. Well, here's, here's did she what have a diary or anything? Did well, she have a? You bring up great points, first off. Um, and second of all, obviously nothing justifies what she did. But the, the chief of police brought up that there was something about her resenting going to that school. He didn't necessarily get into uh, the trans and the faith and all that other stuff. Uh, but he did say that she resented going to the school. So who knows? Maybe there was some comment years ago. Uh, I think this transformation has been recent with her. Uh, and, and why do you think that's important, Stan? I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm still, uh, if she had a diary, it's possible that Christian teachings, as, as far as she saw it, made her feel, I don't know, again, I'm, 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 I don't know, made her feel insecure, not a, a person, and maybe she thought about this for years. I don't know. And then she, she finally flipped, went crazy, and then boom, 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 boom. I don't know. You said she went I hope there's a diary or some paper well, that we can find out. There's apparently a manifesto, and in the manifesto, uh, she talks about planning this, taking it out. We haven't heard anything directly, but we do hear that she resented going to the school, uh, which is just despicable what she did there. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Later in this hour on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about the fact that President Joe Biden, first off, it was unbelievable when he starts uh, talking about the shooting, which was just so horrible and so shocking and so heartbreaking. He starts talking about ice cream. We're going to talk about that later on because it was just completely inappropriate. It was just the weirdest, most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen a president. I expected it to be the somber kind of walks out and he made these like laughing and giggling. It was so bizarre. And then he moves on to the shooting. It was very odd. And it goes to, I think, character and maybe what's going on inside of him. There's just some bizarre things going on. And we're going to talk about that later on in the hour. Also, Senator John Kennedy and a number of other senators today laying into Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, asking him about the border and the fact that it is wide open. And Mayorkas kept saying, oh, no, 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 it's secure. Everything's fine. Um, President Biden, by the way, now blaming Republicans, saying that they're responsible for the cuts on border agent staffing. Uh, you heard it right that he actually wants the American public to somehow believe that it's Republicans who are not supporting efforts to secure the border. I don't think even a first grader would be able to to get that. I mean, that is just unbelievable, the sort of politics of spin, as opposed to being accountable and discussing what really is happening on the borders. And here is Senator John Kennedy uh, with one of his zingers today at Mayorkas. Take a listen. Here's what I learned today. I learned today that uh, either Secretary Mayorkas believes in completely completely open borders or he is not qualified to manage a Chuck E. Cheese. Now, listen, I like Chuck E. Cheese, but he seems to think that uh, clearly Mayorkas is way over his head. And we're going to talk about that and the sort of spin control by the Democrats about the border. President Biden, of course, today just laying into Republicans saying you got to do a lot more and everything has to be gun control, gun control, gun control. It is sort of like one note and not saying anything about what we're talking about, the mental history of individuals, the role of parents, uh, the role of society to do more, to be checking and making sure somebody with a mental illness should not get access to guns. What about also adding security guards to schools? beefing up securities. He says he doesn't want to go there. Uh, All they want to talk about is banning assault weapons and not going into any of these other layers. I, again, go back to what I said. I said this to you last night. There needs to be an all-of-encompassing approach. Everything should be on the table and discussed to protect our kids. And it can't just be this sort of political note that the Democrats seem to just want to talk about taking the guns away, acting as if the guns sort of on their own just fire off. 
uh, randomly when nobody's behind them kind of thing. It's the guns responsible as opposed to the individuals. There are a lot of things to discuss, and I think everything should be discussed. By the way, I also read your social media notes to me. I love when you guys send me tweets. I read it often during the show. You know you can go to at Rita Cosby. And uh, one of you asked, where did the shooter, the Nashville shooter, where did the money come from to purchase the guns? This comes from Free Speech USA. Uh, Good handle there. Um, And said, hey, a part-time food delivery job won't cut it. Dig in and follow the money. So what we digged in is that this individual apparently was a part-time grocery shopper, according to their profile, their social media profile, uh, also was a freelance graphic designer, so had kind of two different jobs, making some money, was 28 years old. But you're right, it would be interesting. Where were they spending the money? And apparently, if the parents knew that this individual was mentally disturbed, wouldn't you think they'd be kind of looking a little bit at the bank account? What are they doing? Are they using drugs? You know, I'd be worried. And, and then they knew that there was at least one gun. Wouldn't you kind of see, were there other guns? Wouldn't you want to see what other purchases might have been made? Somehow get access to that, maybe get access to this manifesto, this diary. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that I think clearly has been missed in this case. And this is what Trey Gowdy, former prosecutor, had to say. If you have a mental disorder, well, guess what? You have given up your right for a gun. Suicidal ideations, homicidal ideations, mental health issues, the overwhelming majority of mass killers suffer from that. So what does that scream out to us? Red flag laws with due process, but red flag laws. Here's the answer. If you've been adjudicated mentally ill, you can no longer legally possess any firearm or any ammunition. Yeah, and I agree, actually. If somebody has a mental issue, I mean, you've got to be careful. You don't want people suddenly, like, pretending like they don't like their neighbor and reporting that that person has a mental disorder. It needs to obviously be investigated. There needs to be proof. Maybe you get a doctor involved that they checked on this. They have some sort of information that goes into a system. But it should be immediate. And, again, the parents knew that this individual had at least one gun. So there were a lot of facts on the table And I'd love to know from the parents a little bit more about, first off, did they know that others were purchased? Why didn't they check? You know what? It's like if you have a troubled person in your home, you need to look over their shoulder. And it sounds like they were just turning a blind eye. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to to, uh, Mike. Line one, your thoughts about this, Mike. Uh, How are you, Rita? I'd like to say something for Evelyn before I get to my point, and that is she represented Jesus Christ when she gave her life up to save the other little children. Okay, that that is love, man. And maybe you can learn some from that stand. You know, we can all learn from that little kid. But um, and and by the way, by the way, Mike, the Evelyn is the nine-year-old little girl who pulled the oh, fire alarm. Man. What a what a. Uh, and then she was killed. What a hero. I mean, what an unbelievable. What do you think? What's the solution, Mike? The solution is this, uh, Rita. We kill 6,000 dogs per hour in this country. Okay. If you have two uh, trained uh, dogs in each classroom, the, the kids would love them. The dogs would love the kids. And, and they would smell this guy coming in before he even opens the door. Or whatever. You can have them in auditoriums all over, man. 
that we're killing our, our best friends, and they're the only ones that would work. The shepherds have them. You know, wolves don't register their teeth. Okay. Wait, I mean, wait, wait, Mike, we were wolves, rambling. What are you saying? That there should be dogs in the classroom? I'm confused. What are you yes, saying? Yes, yes, yes. You have two two dogs in each classroom. Uh, the kids will take care of the dogs. You know, they get credit for it and all of that. You, you know, uh, the dogs would love the kids. They would know exactly what's going on. They, there would be trained dogs to sniff out anything like a, a gun or a bullet that's coming in, and they got eye contact, and they're the fastest things on on, on earth. So if, if you can have two, you can have three, it doesn't matter, all right? You should also have, like, say, two or three students that are trained with slingshots, okay? Uh, but dogs are the best. Okay, I mean shepherds use dogs to protect their flocks. Yeah, but, and by, uh, the, and know, by the way, mean, by the way, the dogs are also great. You see them in the military too. I mean, they do some incredible things. Uh, the problem is, you gotta like, you gotta take them for a walk. <laughs> like, who's gonna? Is there gonna be like a dog official dog handler in each room? I mean, there's a lot of. I do hear what you're saying in terms of some sort of security, and the dogs are really actually extremely effective when you see them like in the military. I mean, they're often, and the police use them all the time. Um, there, there needs to be some sort of security. I'm not sure about dogs. I love dogs. Uh, but I do think there needs to be some sort of sense of security. And I think everything should be at least discussed, Mike. Um, and so I appreciate your ingenuity um, because the bottom line is we got to protect our kids. Um, let's go to Veronica. Thank you, Mike. Let's go to Veronica. Maryland, line five. Your thoughts, Veronica. Uh, yes, hi. Number one, I totally agree with Tom, who called earlier, our society is an issue. And why is no one holding the doctor accountable? That's an interesting point. I mean, the doctor who knew that this child had mental illness, the question is, it's a little different. The doctor, of course, is talking to the child. We don't know if the parents said to the doctor, hey, by the way, our child had guns. You know, the parents knew that, of course, the 28-year-old had guns, but we don't know how much information the doctor had. There's obviously the patient-doctor response, you know, uh, you know, privacy issues. There's HIPAA. There's a lot of issues here. But it, but it begs the question. We don't know. Maybe the child said to the doctor, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of doing. Who knows? I mean, we don't know that at this point, um, but it's worth looking into. And I bet you right now that doctor will certainly be questioned. Uh, any HIPAA responsibilities probably been waived at this point for sure. Um, so you would wonder, but you don't know. Maybe something's told different from the doctor than the parents know. But but you're right. There's a lot of people who may have some important information here. And it'd be interesting to see what this individual did say to the doctor. Sometimes the patient, though, says, oh, I don't have a problem because I don't want to get the medicine or they don't want to admit to a doctor that they've got issues, even if the parents force that meeting. And we don't know how long the doctor was seeing the individual. I mean, there's so many questions here, uh, but fair points there. Let's go to Stephen, line eight. Stephen, your thoughts about all this. Hello, listen, my name is Stephen Lance. I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I listened to you for a while. I think you're very, very good. I like you better than I do a lot of other people I've heard on there. But uh, this thing that you were saying about the guns and this violence there that happened in the school is a terrible thing. But I think there's a solution, an answer for all of this. And what is that? I think everything would be better off, and, and it would be better off in this country if we had a death penalty back here again for all of these people who are doing these shootings. If there was a death penalty, a lot of people wouldn't do these killings being afraid that they would be killed for doing it. Although, I think a death penalty would work 
against all of this, I think that would be a better solution now, than two, everything uh, else. Two things, Stephen. One is I do think that people need to understand there's punishment. I'm not sure if death penalty is what should be looming. The problem is with these kind of people, I mean, this woman here realized that she was probably going to die. She even told her friend, I'm going to die today, and you're going to probably read about it in the media. So I think she knew that she was going to be killed at some point uh, going into the school. So I don't know if as somebody who was so mentally disturbed, knowing that death penalty is on the table, sounds like they thought they were going to die in a hail of bullets anyway. Um, so I don't think it would necessarily change with somebody, but it would change with somebody who is not necessarily mentally disturbed. And I do think that crime needs to have consequences and people need to be afraid of, of punishment. And I also think, by the way, of, of parents, too, potentially, as we're talking about all this stuff. I mean, I think people that are aware need to have some sort of accountability. I'm not saying death penalty for parents whatsoever, obviously, uh, but for somebody who isn't mentally disturbed, maybe uh, a more severe punishment might somehow dissuade them. Uh, clearly, there needs to be a lot of things looked into to uh, to change this process because something has to change. we got to protect our kids. There is no doubt about that. We're going to continue with the discussion after the break, everybody. one 800 848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. ago they released some of the body cam footage these are from the officers who stormed that school the heroes who took out the shooter here's a little bit of the audio from that shooting shots fired shots fired shots fired move right 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 Push the LPVO. Push the LPVO. Go right. Move, move. Watch out, watch out. Move. Stop moving. Stop moving. Watch left. Watch left. Suspect down. Suspect down. Hey, hold the air. Wow. Those are the dramatic moments when those two officers, there was a team of five that went into the school and the two officers that literally got into the room and confronted shooter Audrey Hale. And as you heard, one of them took her down. The other one still saw her moving and said, stop moving, stop moving, and delivered the fatal blows because she was still moving with the gun in her hand. Uh, so this is an unbelievable moment. But talk about the guts of those cops charging towards the hail of bullets, as you just heard. And they kept charging and took out uh, the killer, which is what needed to happen at that moment. Can think about it. If they had not done that, what kind of damage might have happened in that school? I mean, it, it is just unbelievable. Every time you see an officer, you know how much we love doing our Back the Blue segment every night here on the show. Uh, next time you see an officer, you hug them, you kiss them. They say, you want a cup of coffee or you want lunch? Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because uh, these officers 
uh, just show the kind of heroism and guts it takes to join a police department in this day and age in America. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline, line eight. Uh, Jacqueline, your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Um, you know, as humans, we should have sympathy and empathy for one another. And I am not defending this individual in any way, shape, or form. I want to make that very clear from the get-go. However, I think this individual, like many others like her, was failed by her parents, by society. And I think the biggest culprit is Joe Biden and his administration and all of the left-leaning lunatics that are promoting all of this transgenderism, all of the puberty blockers for children, uh, mutilation of individuals, rather than focusing on the problem, which is the mental illness aspect of it. Uh, The drug companies are all a part of this to blame by wanting to uh, promote all of the drugs for all of these individuals that they need. And there's another uh, thing that I heard Uh, Ritalin or whatever that medication is besides Ritalin that they give to children to kind of calm them down if they have ADHD, that is very difficult to get. So I think it's it's a whole conglomerate of things that are to blame. Um, But I, I, I think, like the other caller had mentioned, Tom, I think his name was, society. There is a big problem with society as a whole. And I don't understand. Her parents were Christian parents. What good Christian parent would not try to counsel, and this is not a child, a 28-year-old is not a child by any means, but what good Christian parent would not counsel their son or daughter about transitioning and becoming trans rather than focusing on the mental illness aspect of it. Yeah, and you want to hear another irony, um, Jacqueline, too, is the mother apparently posted all over the place about uh, gun control. Yeah, she's Uh, an advocate from what I heard. Right, she's an advocate about gun control, but where was the gun control in her own home? You know? Right. I mean, you know, give me a break. You sit there, you know, and she talks about it out loud about how there shouldn't be this gun, there shouldn't be this, and then yet... Uh, clearly didn't do a very good search, sadly, of her own home. You know, I mean, it's it's really stunning. Jacqueline, thank you. Great points. Let's go to David in Los Angeles. Line two. David, your thoughts. I'm very disappointed in that transgender organization that said society has failed this person somehow. Like, you know what, you're 28 years old, so then you go and shoot nine-year-olds. How is society supposed to prevent that? And I agree with the last caller. We're turning people into narcissists. The transgender movement is a social movement of narcissists, of people who want attention, and that's how you get it. And the whole world has to bow down and recognize you for your pronouns, and if you don't do it right. You know, I watch TikTok, and it's filled with people, transgenders, complaining, oh, you have to respect my pronoun, oh, we're losing rights, and they sit there and put their makeup on. Although, and- although, hey, David, the one thing, I feel like we all just have to respect each other. I mean, I personally, um, okay, I, I, thing, I will say, I, will say I resent this group kind of trying to make excuses for this shooter. That, to me, I agree with you with. But I think we all have to, as long as you're not sort of thrusting someone's behavior on the other and be try to be nice and kind to each other, um, uh, but go ahead, David, real quick. But, 
but they are thrusting it. If you don't recognize a transgender woman as a real woman, well, then you're homophobic. Me as a heterosexual male, if I won't date a transgender woman, well, then there's something wrong with me. I'm hateful. I'm transphobic. They impose it on society as a way to badger people to shut up about it. And 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 you're right. The imposition uh, is not appropriate. We just have to all be respectful. And again, I still think that they're also making excuses for horrible, despicable behavior. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful tribute that took place this week in Flat Rock, Michigan, where a World War II veteran was honored after 70 years of serving the American Legion post in the area. The ceremony, which took place, honored 99-year-old veteran Kurt the Judge Kirsten, and he graduated from a high school there and began serving in the U.S. Army Air Force in 1943. And upon graduation, he worked at the Willow Run Airport where they built the B-24 Liberator. When he went into the military, he wanted to fly but couldn't. So he ended up being a navigator on the very same planes that he built. And his storied history goes on and on and on. Now, he never stopped also serving. He joined the American Legion Post there in 1946. And in the 70-plus years that he's been a member, he's attended, get this, more than 1,000 veteran memorial services as part of the Post Honor Guard, a very, very important thing. So how beautiful his experience, all that he did during his time in the military, and also everything he did after the military to honor and pay tribute to our great military and their families Bravo to this great 99-year-old World War II veteran, appropriately honored uh, at the Legion Hall for 70 years of service. How beautiful to see him recognized and also his family. Well, we, are, of course, are talking about the Nashville shooting, and more details are coming out about the shooter and the background. And now there's this uh, trans group that basically says there were victims, two victims there, one of them uh, being, of course, everybody at the school, and the other, the fact that this individual felt that they couldn't be seen, um, that this was the way that they could get basically attention, felt she had, quote, no other effective way to be seen than lash out by taking the lives of others. Uh, Very controversial and obviously an outrageous comment that you don't take someone else's life to draw attention. And we're also finding out that this was clearly a troubled individual, had a history of mental disorder, was seeing a doctor, was not institutionalized, but was able to buy seven different weapons from five different gun stores in the area, apparently, and all the while while having a mental illness. So how could that happen? And what are the role of parents? There are so many questions here. one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let me go to Tricia, line five. Tricia, your thoughts. Hi, uh, I have a couple besides this one, but I think that all schools should have either um, licensed uh, t- 
teachers and other professionals who are licensed to carry and put signs up in the schools that there are such or or have uh, an armed security in each school. Instead of hiring 80-some thousand of more IRS agents, this is life-saving. We need in the security in the schools. Um, one of the other things is that um, James Golden was mentioning earlier today, and when you take um, hormone suppressants, in effect, like if a man has uh, testicular cancer, or um, in her case, if she was taking testosterone to suppress her femaleness, um, that messes up your emotions. And so that that definitely could have played into this. Yeah, one question, what, no question, uh, Tricia. There could have been something with the hormones levels. Um, there could have been, sadly, you know, there have been reports that a lot of uh, individuals who are going through this transitioning, uh, they um, have a high suicide rate, a higher than normal suicide rate. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on, whether it's medication, psychologically, uh, maybe she had psychological problems, it sounds like, for quite some time um, because apparently a doctor was getting involved. The parents knew uh, that the individual had a gun and apparently told law enforcement after the fact uh, that they didn't feel that they should own a gun, that the, the person should have a gun. She was living at home. Um, so there's there are just there are so many issues here. And you're right. I think all of these things are valid points just to be looked into to see if there's something to help individuals like this and obviously help society. Uh, Let's go to Jim, line eight. Jim, your thoughts about this. Uh, Hello, Rita. How are you? Good, good, good. What do you think? Good. Um, Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit from a parent who uh, has a uh, 29-year-old mentally ill son. Um, My son was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder in 2016 uh, after a perfectly normal upbringing in life and and uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. He's in a place and doing better now. But I just wanted to for the parents uh, out there are people that may uh, to get their perspective from a parent, at least in our case, you know, I've I've had over 50 wellness checks done by the law enforcement and and uh, and doctors and different things over the years. Wow. 50. And, well, 50. Oh, you said well, five. Well, I, I lost count. I lost the count. Right. But what what happens is when they get off their medication, once they, you know, they, because they, they, they just constantly get off and you have to get them back on and off and on. They think they're fine. And in his case, you know, sometimes he thinks people are out to, to get him or he's paranoid or has delusions. And um, what happens is in the moment when you say, hey, you know, I can see the signs, I know he's off his medicine, the civil liberties kicked in and it kind of handcuffs the police and and people of authority if if they're not doing any harm to themselves or someone in that moment there's nothing against the law by acting a little different or you know off and literally can't do even with the history even with the parents and i have guardianship even with the parents that uh, are saying this is a history you know so i would suggest for parents to you know to protect themselves as well as to document all of this stuff even though it's on record in my case it's been in a couple of different states, different cities, different hospitals. So to connect all those dots, you know, it's good to have everything documented um, because, uh, you know, these parents, I don't know them. You know, they may be perfectly great people, they might be scared out of their mind, and they may have had people come and check. I don't know. You yeah. Know? That, and, and, now, let me ask you, Jim, I, actually, because of your insight um, 
and uh, going through what you're going through. And thank you for sharing this, too, because obviously it's a very personal situation. Um, in the case we heard today from the police chief there in Nashville, who came out and basically said um, that this person was not on their radar. They didn't know about this person whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Does that signal to you that obviously that law enforcement didn't come out? You would think they'd have some record if they were called to the home at some point. It, it gave me the impression that law enforcement had never come to the home for wellness, even a wellness check or anything. Well, it could be something that just came to a head at some point, too, with this person. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people are a little bit scared to even mention it if they're on hormones or they're a gender issue or any group, any group. It doesn't matter because everybody has to be so politically Oops, oh, We just lost you there. Um, but, Jim, uh, your point was a valuable one. Thank you very, very much. Jim dropped off accidentally there. But, Jim, thank you uh, for sharing the story and just how difficult it is for family members and people going through it. Um, really, really commendable. And we appreciate your insight. That was really extremely powerful. Well, we are talking now a bit about the border. And and first, before we get to it, there was something that was just so unbelievable uh, about President Biden's announcement first when he brought up the whole issue of the shooting yesterday. Here is the moment. The whole country is just, we're in paralysis. Um, everybody is just stunned as to what is going on. This is cut 1A. Um, and what happened was President Biden comes out to the White House and everybody just thought he's going to say, you know, of course, our, uh, the country's in shock. Our thoughts and prayers. This is such a difficult situation. It's heartbreaking. It's unbelievable. And yet he came out with the most bizarre opening statement. Everybody's saying, what is wrong with our president? And and this is a genuine question. It was so completely inappropriate at a moment where the whole country and the whole world was grieving. And he came out with these jokes and these weird comments about ice cream and his wife. Take a listen to this. This was a stunning moment. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. How weird is that? And at first I thought, well, maybe they didn't tell him because the news had just broken. And then about a minute later, then he says, you know, we got to talk about the school shooting. I mean, how could you not talk about anything? When you come out in a situation, like you are the leader of the free world. We have just had a shooting that has numbed America to its core. You got to come out and say this is horrible and not, there's nothing to laugh about. There is no joking. There's no laughing. It was the most bizarre beginning of any comment on such a somber topic that I've ever seen. And it made me think there was seriously something wrong with our president that he came out and was joking about ice cream and the different flavors and promoting some brand of ice cream. It was the weirdest thing that I've ever seen. But it just shows how out of touch he is. And this goes in line with the fact that he put out a tweet over the weekend basically saying that, quote, MAGA Republicans are to blame for budget cuts with the border agents. Is there anybody out there who actually thinks it's Republicans who are trying to scale back on the border that are trying to do something on the U.S. border as opposed to enhance staffing and enhance security? I mean, it was so completely inappropriate. And here is Kat Kamick, Republican of Florida, 
responding to that crazy Biden tweet. Take a listen to what she said. Honestly, does he believe that Americans are going to buy the fact that Republicans who have been screaming and stomping and going to the border for the last several years are actually looking to cut Border Patrol agents? If you look at the president's own budget, he's only adding 100 Border Patrol agents. We need more than 2,000. Yeah, we need more than 2,000. And in this new border budget that you just heard, the new overall budget, I should say, as one of you just brought up, they are putting in 87,000 new IRS agents. That's how many new IRS agents they're putting. And how many border agents is he adding? Somewhere between one to 200 are the border agent size. Are you kidding me? You see the millions of people that are crossing the border, our southern border, and our president is saying, we're going to add Tens of thousands of IRS agents to show up everywhere, including Matt Taibbi's home while he's testifying. But for the border itself, we're only going to basically add for border agents, which should be one of the most imperative, important positions ever, especially given the numbers of people that this administration is letting cross. We're only going to add 100 or 200. That is unbelievable. And he wants us to believe it's MAGA Republicans to blame For poor border security, they won't give security to the law enforcement. That is the most preposterous. He is delusional, just as delusional as he is coming out and talking about ice cream at a time where the country is in severe mourning over what just happened. So here's a little bit more of Kat Kamek saying what she thinks of our president. Under this administration, the Biden administration, more than 35,000 pounds of fentanyl has been confiscated. And it's estimated that only 5 to 10 percent of the fentanyl entering our country is getting caught. It's no wonder that 300 people a day are dying under Biden's watch. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. He is not the commander in chief when it comes to border issues. He is the trafficker in chief because that's all that's happening down on the border is trafficking of humans, trafficking of drugs. And we are seeing the direct result play out in our communities across America. And by the way, President Trump last night, who was doing an interview, basically said that he thinks there could be as many as 15 million illegals crossing under Biden's tenure. And that may not even be before the end of the four years. That is an incredible amount of numbers that are there. And this is Senator Ted Cruz grilling Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas today. Take a listen. Mr. Secretary, I want to say to you right now, it is precisely- your behavior is disgraceful and the deaths, the children assaulted, the children raped. They are at your feet. And if you had integrity, you would resign. And I will tell you, the men and women of the Border Patrol, they've never had a political leader undermine them. They despise you, Mr. Secretary, because you're willing to let children be raped to follow political orders. This is a crisis. It's a disgrace. And you won't even admit this human tragedy is a crisis. It seems like an utter disconnect on so many issues. When we come back, I'm going to take your calls. The fact that Mallorca still maintains the border secure. He repeated it again today. It was like, what is wrong with this person? And then we have President Biden, who comes out at one of the most disheartening disconnected, sad times, I think, to come out. Does it get any worse than a school shooting of nine-year-old kids at a pre-K to sixth grade school? And the first thing he starts doing is joking about ice cream. 
Can you imagine, by the way, if it was President Trump doing that? They would have been blasting him. They would have been playing it over and over and over again. And yet many people in the liberal media just have been ignoring it. But it was so ill-timed and so unbelievably uh, disconnected and so unsympathetic and laughing, giggling. And then, oh, by the way, let me talk about the school shooting. What is going on with our president? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Some more fireworks that took place just a few hours ago when the Homeland Security Secretary, the guy who's supposed to be taking care of the border along with President Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, keeps maintaining the border is secure, no problem. And he and Ted Cruz went at it. Here's a little bit more. What the senator said was revolting. I'm not going to address it. Your refusal to do your job is revolting. Wow, that kind of sums it up right there. He really took it to him. And Mayorkas refused. He kept saying, is the border less safe? Uh, Is the border secure? Is the border wide open? He wouldn't answer anything. Meanwhile, millions upon millions are crossing our border. And then we have President Biden at one of the most somber moments after a horrible school shooting. And he starts the speech by talking about ice cream and joking. Listen again to what he said. This, to me, was a stunning moment. And all I could think about is if President Trump did this, he would have been skewered six ways to Sunday. Take a listen. My name is Joe Biden. (laughs) I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. (laughs) And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. I'm not. God. I mean, that to me is a shocking and embarrassing and despicable moment. That something in his mind said, I've got a joke about ice cream before I get to this stuff about the shooting. I mean, it to me, I, I don't know what's going on in his mind that somebody would actually come out if that is showing some deficiency seriously in his mind, or if that's showing that, you know, yeah, I got to get to the shooting thing. I mean, there's something, there's something off kilter. It was with the most inappropriate, ill-timed, bizarre moment I think I've seen from a president ever after a deadly shooting in America. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert. Line four. Robert, what did you make of Biden's comment? It was just strange. Rita, I'm fighting back here since I heard him have no words of sympathy for those kids and their families that were murdered. Yeah, it, it, it seems like for him to come out in anything other than like, you know, mournful and tearful is just to me, it shows an utter disconnect. Um, And I don't know if it's uh, like an insincerity or there's some mental synapsis going wrong. There's something, you know, some break in the brain or something. I mean, I'm just being realistic. I mean, it was odd. It was the most ill-timed, inappropriate moment I think I've ever seen a president that he was laughing and joking. And then, oh, well, now let me get to the shooting. Um, And I don't know if it's a lack of sympathy or if there's a problem going on there, Robert. 
Zero compassion. Yeah, it it sounded terrible. And I agree. If I were family members, I would be outraged. I would be so unbelievably uh, just disgusted with the whole thing. Uh, let's go to Joe. Line five. Uh, Joe, what do you make of, uh, of Biden's behavior and sort of the blame game, actually blaming Republicans for the border? Freedom, I love Joe Biden, is out of his mind. He was dangerous when he had a functioning brain. He was accused of rape by uh, Tara Reid, not the actress, one of his senatorial aides. Now he's dangerous. The man has addict static. That's in the belfry. The bottom line is this. Take the American veterans who are homeless, train them to guide our borders, give them something to do, put them in the empty barracks, give them jobs. That's what we do. We cut down on the suicides. God rest the soul of those innocents who were murdered. God thrust in the hell the evil who perpetrated that. Joe Biden is completely out of his mind. Hopefully it'll be um, Trump DeSantis in a year and a half. God help American veterans. God help America. Well, I love to La Bella, Princesa Polaka, the beautiful Polish princess. God bless you and yours. Thank you. Dziękuję bardzo, Joe. Thank you. And by the way, God bless America after, boy, what a rough, rough last 48 hours it has been. Uh, Joe, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Derek in Kentucky, line two. Derek, your thoughts about all this stuff tonight. Hi, Rita. You sound fantastic. Stan, not so much, but you, you're amazing. Um, I'm glad you can make the distinction between the two of us. Crazy, loony (laughs) Stan. Go ahead. I know you're mad and frustrated about these parents and the cue. I can't imagine the cues that were missed by somebody and it just makes us all frustrated. Uh, but this to, to throw the book at them, that there's, there's a, a bigger systemic problem. How often do we hear how Democrats, they want children to be able to make major decisions about their lives. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You're right. Parents sort of have lost control And we need to get that back where parents are respected, law enforcement are respected, our veterans are respected. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.